In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, the great Apostle Paul said, Pray without ceasing. In Hebrews 4.16, the apostolic writer to the Hebrews said, Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Please pray with me. Gracious Father, we bow before you this morning in humble adoration. We thank you for manifold encouragements to pray. And Father, we come praying now that you would feed your sheep, that you would encourage your people, that you would meet our needs. Oh, Father, you've given us more than we could imagine. We thank you for sending your Son to save your people from our sins. Father, would you bless us this day? Would you give us what we need? We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please open your Bibles to the 142nd division of the Psalms. Psalm 142. The heading above this psalm in my Bible says, Mastel of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. The term mastel, according to my Bible dictionary, means instructing. It occurs in the title of 13 psalms and denotes a song enforcing some lesson in wisdom or piety a didactic, or a song meant to teach something. So as we sing, or as we read this psalm, we're to be learning. We're to be instructed somehow. Also, the heading indicates that when David prayed this prayer, or sang this psalm, he was in a cave. Now, it's not specific, We know that David, being a wanted man for great portions of his life, knew of hiding places in caves. So was it Adullam? Was it in Gedi? Not sure. Possibly another. But this song, or this psalm, is a prayer. And so for David, that cave became a prayer closet. Please stand with me for the reading of Holy Scripture. David prayed. He sang. I cried unto Jehovah with my voice. With my voice unto Jehovah did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, Then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. 
I cried unto thee, O Jehovah. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of Holy Scripture. You may be seated. Well, saints, listen, from our devotion to the high doctrine of the absolute sovereignty of God comes a righteous reverence, doesn't it? A righteous reverence of our God, a revering, a holy fear, a dreadful respect for the awesomeness of the Almighty. And that's good. That's good. It's right. It's right. When we pray that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, we pray, hallowed be thy name. Expressing the Christian desire that men and women and boys and girls upon this earth would hallow, would honor and respect and revere Yahweh and His Son, Jesus. I want that! Don't you? Don't you? We pray, hallowed be thy name. So listen, a high reverence, a high respect for the Almighty is most appropriate. And let us never be one who speaks the name of God lightly or uses His name in a vain or profane way. But, but, if you read your Bible a lot, I hope you do, if you read your Bible, you'll notice something about the Hebrew patriarchs and especially about David. Though they revere the Almighty, though they fear with an awesome respect, they speak to Him about anything and everything. They question. They argue. They even complain. Do you complain? If you have a complaint, you should take it up with the Lord. Abraham, that first Jew, even negotiates with the Almighty. He's the first one to try to Jew God down. You remember that? What if there are 50? What if there are 50? Well, what if there's only 45? For five? What if there's only 30? Or 20? What if it's only 10? Come on. You remember that? Can you imagine? Negotiating with the Almighty? Well, Abraham is our father. If we are of the faith, he's called the father of the faithful. So, if you are one filled with faith, then you are 
child of Abraham. Abraham is also called the friend of God. He obeyed God. When God said go, he got up and he went. Didn't even know where he was going. The writer to the Hebrews tells us. But he obeyed. He prayed. He feared. And he negotiated. And what about righteous Job? What about righteous Job? A man referred to by God Almighty as blameless and upright. Wow. Wow. Do you remember his questioning of the Almighty? He said, I will not keep silent. I'll speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Job 7 verse 11. Job kept it up. He kept questioning the Almighty until God said, now I'm going to ask you some questions. And you remember how that went. But Job talked to God. He talked to God. Jacob, the beloved of the Lord, about him. He wrestled. He contended with God's angel. He held on to him and would not let him go. He wouldn't tap out. He clung so tenaciously to God that the angel had to smite him so severely that the scripture says he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. And David, David, the man after God's own heart. David, the introspective and artistic sweet singer of Israel. David, that valiant warrior who delivered 200 foreskins of the Philistines. You want 100 for her? How about 200? David, the repenting sinner who loves the son who desires to kill him. Did you hear what he said in the psalm we just read? He said, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed him all my trouble. He said, I plead for mercy. I pour out my complaints. I detail all my troubles. Look! David said, as it were, I let him know I'm not happy with the way things are going here. I let him know. Brothers and sisters, listen. Paul said, pray without ceasing. The apostolic writer of the Hebrews says, be bold. Prayer is not always neat, friend. Prayer is not always tidy. Sometimes it's a litany of troubles. Sometimes, if it's true prayer, it can sound like a complaint. 
even like a grievance. At least it seems like that to me in the patriarchs and in David. Listen, there is, however, there is a blessed comfort for the saints. For we who revere the Almighty and might fear to complain, we are encouraged to pray. Our Savior is the key of David. We have access, friend. Unprecedented access. And there is some instructing comfort for us from the great apostle. Please turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans the epistle of St. Paul the Apostle to the Romans, chapter 8. And look down there to verse 26. The great Apostle Paul writes, The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The New International Version translates that passage this way. Listen, the Spirit helps us in our weakness We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Let me ask you something, beloved. Do you know what we should pray about? Well, if you just heard Romans chapter 8, verse 26, St. Paul the Apostle says we don't. We don't even know what we ought to pray for. He said we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. He said we don't know what we ought to pray for. Well, listen, I do know. I do know because of divine instruction and apostolic command, some things that I should pray for. I do. The Holy Apostle said to the Savior, John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And in response to that request, Jesus gave that model prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. And he taught some specific things that we should pray for. So I say, epistemically, that's knowledge. Right? Epistemically, that's knowledge. And so we do know some things, some specific things that we should pray for. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, I, Paul, I exhort that first of all, supplications, 
prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Well, epistemically, that's knowledge. So you and I know by apostolic authority that we should pray for our rulers and we should pray to be at peace. You should pray that you might be able to live a quiet life. But beyond those, beyond those and a few other specific exhortations, do you know what you ought to pray for? In the first sentence of his metaphysics, Aristotle wrote, all men by nature desire to know. Don't you want to know? We understand this, don't we? I mean, even at the beginning, how did that serpent seduce our first mother? Well, he offered her knowledge. Remember? He said, if you eat this, your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like a god. You'll know good and evil. Genesis 3, 5. And she ate. And he ate. And what did they learn? What did they know? Our first parents, what did they learn? We're naked. We're naked. That's what they learned. That's what the Bible says. Our first parents disobeyed the explicit command of the Almighty. By their sin, they wrecked the whole creation, causing a cosmic fall into universal bondage to sin. And they did it because they thought they'd know something. The Bible says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and did eat, and she gave to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew. What did they know? That they were naked. Genesis 3, 6, and 7. That's what they knew. That's what they learned. We're naked. Beloved, listen. Father Adam and Mother Eve, they didn't know good from evil after they ate the forbidden fruit. And listen, neither do we. To understand that you lack knowledge is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Solomon, in his prayer for wisdom, cried to the Lord and he said, I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people. 
They cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this so great a people? 1 Kings 3 verses 7 through 9. My friend, listen, I submit to you that even before he asked for it, Solomon had some wisdom, enough to know that he couldn't even tell good from bad unless God told him. And friend, I submit to you that if you know good from bad, that's divine. Jonah knew that God is good. And Jonah knew that in his merciful goodness, God might save those Ninevites rather than destroy them, which is what Jonah wanted. I don't like those guys at all. But the merciful will of God prevailed. And in Jonah's prophecy, God noted that the residents of Nineveh couldn't even discern between their right hand and their left hand. Jonah 4.11 They can't even tell their right hand from their left hand, Jonah. But I'm going to save them. And friend, listen. We're not much better. Especially when it comes to what we should pray for. But here's some comfort. Hear the comfort. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words can't express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Beloved, listen, listen, listen. When we don't know what to pray for, let's pray anyway. Let's pray anyway because in that weakness, in that lack of knowledge, God Himself in the third person of the Holy Trinity prays for us. I didn't make that up. Paul taught that. Charles Haddon Spurgeon shares the following anecdote from a memoir of the English Baptist pastor, Andrew Fuller. Spurgeon writes, At a conference in Soham, a friend of slender abilities, being asked to pray, knelt down. And Mr. Fuller and the company with him knelt down. When he found himself so embarrassed, he whispered to Mr. Fuller and said, I do not know how to go on. Mr. Fuller replied in a whisper, Tell the Lord so. The rest of the company did not hear what passed between them. But the man, taking Mr. Fuller's advice, began to confess his not knowing how to pray as he ought to pray, begging to be taught to pray. And so he proceeded in prayer to the satisfaction of all the assembled company. Well, brother, sister, 
saint? Do you even know what to pray for? Then groan, sigh, weep, but do it before the Lord. Abraham negotiated. Job questioned. David even complained. If you don't know what to pray for, pray anyway. Groan, weep, sigh before Him. The apostolic teaching is that when we know not what to pray for as we ought, God Himself, the Holy Spirit, intercedes for us according to the will of God. That ought to be some comfort, friend. Ought to be some comfort. My firstborn is articulate. She is lucid, coherent, even eloquent. She is. If I could write my sermons early, Eric, and send them to her for editing, I'd be a better preacher. The other day, she was blessed with an opportunity to help a Christian organization with its statement of faith. And there was a draft of the statement of faith with the main ideas, but it was in dire need of refinement. And without changing the content, she took those faithful groans, those inarticulate sighs, and she changed them into something lucid, coherent, eloquent. Beloved, listen, the Holy Spirit of God does that for us. He cleans up our prayers and makes them sweet so that Christian prayer mediated by the Holy Spirit of God ascends before the throne of the Almighty as sweet incense. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended up before the throne of God out of the angel's hand. Revelation 8.4 Beloved, that, that ministry of the Holy Spirit it reminds me of our Savior's healing of the blind man. Jesus, the Bible said, Jesus cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto Him and besought Him to touch Him. And He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when He had spit on His eyes... And put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hand again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. Jesus was at work in this man. And the man saw, but not clearly. 
And Jesus touched him again, and the fog was removed, and he saw clearly. And listen, our prayers, our prayers are often like the sight of that blind man. We've been touched, and we cry out to God, but our thoughts, our ideas, even our words are foggy, inarticulate, unclear. But in divine kindness, God, the Spirit, in condescending goodness and grace, touches our prayers, elucidating clarifying, eloquizing them, making them fit for a king. So they ascend up before the throne of the Almighty as the smoke of sweet incense, pleasing and fully conformed to the will of God Almighty. It's been, it's been several years since we've had a little one at our house. <clears throat> but I can remember different cries. Don't you? A cry of anger. Or a cry of fear. Or a cry of petulance. Jeannie learned more quickly than I, as mothers do. But even as a father... I could interpret my children's cries. And for some cries, well, I could, I could just let them cry. I could keep my conversation going with you. Like, eh, I'm not stopping for that. I'm not, not stopping for that. But for another cry, I had to drop everything and rush to my baby. She needs me right now. It's a different cry. Jesus said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that asked Him? Luke 11.13. So let me reason like the Master. Let me reason like the Master. And say, saints, if we, being evil, can interpret the cries of our children, how much more can our Heavenly Father interpret the cries and groanings of our hearts? Much more. Much, much, much more. When God smote that child, the child of David and Bathsheba, the Bible says that David besought God for the child and fasted. 2 Samuel 12:16. In his guilt and grief and anguish, the man after God's own heart lost his eloquence. And the Bible says he went in and lay all night upon the earth. And God had determined judgment. You remember. But saints, God heard the groanings of David's heart. 
All the broken man could do was lie on the ground and groan. But God heard it clearly. Crystal clear. And listen, thanks, listen. This is difficult, but it's true. Please listen. Troubles are not sent to draw us away from God or to drive us away from God, but to draw us to Him. Listen. Troubles are not sent to drive us away from God, but to draw us to Him. Listen, if God didn't want to deal with us, He could just withdraw and leave us to ourselves. And you wouldn't care. But no. No. Like a loving and true parent, He will not leave us to ourselves. When we wander, He comes after us. When we rebel, He rebukes us. When we disobey, He has a belt. And He can use it just enough. Just enough. Our troubles are not sent to drive us away from God, but to draw us to Him. If He wasn't interested in us, He wouldn't trouble us. But He does trouble us. And you see, friend, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John chapter 3. Verse 16, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Luke 19.10, it's why He came. When Christians are troubled, listen, and we often are, you know what we should do? We should pray. We should pray. A man who claims to be a Christian and doesn't pray, friend, is a liar. A man who claims to be a Christian and doesn't pray is a liar. Prayer is the breath of the Christian. And like breath in the body, if it's not there, death is there, not life. When that zealous and violent Pharisee, Saul of Tarsus, was converted, blinded by the glory of Jesus, Ananias was summoned by the Almighty in a vision to go to that new convert and minister to him. And as if to prove the validity of the Pauline conversion in the dream, the Spirit of God told Ananias of Paul, Behold, he prayeth. It's okay, Ananias. I've heard about this guy, God. It's okay. He's praying. Go see him. 
go see him. Saints, sister, listen, brother, if you don't know what to pray for, pray anyway. Do it anyway. In a way, I, I shouldn't have to say this. I mean, we never tell each other, breathe. Do we? Though we shouldn't have to say it, we'll say it anyway, because Jesus and the Holy Apostles certainly exhort and command us repeatedly to pray. And listen, Satan seeks to hinder our praying. Do you know that? Satan seeks to hinder the praying of God's people. He doesn't want you to pray. Oh, Wormwood's at work. And he does not want you to pray. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Ephesians 6.12 Therefore, therefore, let us be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Ephesians 6, 18. There's one. If you don't know what to pray for, pray for the saints. You pray for you. You pray for her. You pray for him. The Spirit of God, beloved, listen. The Spirit of God doesn't hinder our prayers. The Spirit of God helps our praying. The Spirit helpeth our infirmities. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. God knows our infirmities. He understands our weakness. He told His beloved disciples, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew 26, verse 41. Now listen, you remember he told them that at a critical moment in his ministry, just hours before his death. And what did their weak and infirm flesh do? He came and found them asleep. For their eyes were heavy. Matthew 26, 43. Oh, beloved, listen. (laughs) We are not better than they. We are not better than they. It is a ministry of the Holy Spirit of God to help us in our weaknesses, to help us in our infirmities, to help us to pray. In the infirmities of our flesh, He helps us. Wake, O sleeper. Wake. Wake up and pray. In the weaknesses of our minds, He helps us. He hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 Do not fear. Pray. Pray. In the infirmity of our faith, He helps us. Oh, 
thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Matthew 14, 31. Walk. Walk on water. Walk in faith. Pray. Pray. And the weakness of our morality, He helps us. The heart of Mary Magdalene had once been the home of seven devils. But by the power of the Spirit, she was cleansed. And that heart became the residence of God, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of prayer and supplication. Well, beloved, that's what I have for you today. An exhortation to prayer. A reminder that Satan would hinder our praying. But the Spirit of God helps us. Even in our weakness. Even in our infirmity. Praise be to God for all His glorious gifts. Pray without ceasing. To God I made my sorrows known. From God I sought relief. In long complaints before His throne, I poured out all my grief. My soul was overwhelmed with woes. My heart began to break. My God, who all my burden knows, He knows the way I take. On every side I cast my eye and found my helpers gone while friends and strangers passed me by, neglected or unknown. Then did I raise a louder cry and called thy mercy near. Thou art my portion when I die. Be thou my refuge here. Lord, I am brought exceeding low. Now let thine ear attend and make my foes who vex me know I've an almighty friend. From my sad prison set me free. Then shall I praise thy name. And holy men shall join with me thy kindness to proclaim. Please stand with me for prayer. Let us pray. O Holy Father, in prayer I launch far out into the eternal world. And on that broad ocean, my soul triumphs over evils on the shores of mortality. Time, with its gay amusements and cruel disappointments, never appears so inconsiderate as then. In prayer, I see myself as nothing. I find my heart going after Thee with intensity and long with vehement thirst to live unto Thee. Oh, blessed be the strong gales of the Spirit that speed me on the way to the new Jerusalem. In prayer, all things here below vanish, and nothing seems important but holiness of heart and the salvation of others. In prayer, my worldly cares, fears, and anxieties disappear as little significance as a puff of wind 
In prayer, my soul inwardly exults with lively thoughts at what thou art doing for thy church. And I long that thou shouldest get thyself a great name from many sinners returning unto Zion. In prayer, I am lifted above the frowns and flatteries of life and taste heavenly joys entering the eternal world. I can give myself to thee with all my heart to be thine forever. In prayer, I can place all my concerns in thy hands to be entirely at thy disposal, having no will or interest of mine own. In prayer, I can intercede for my friends, ministers, for sinners, for the church, for thy kingdom to come with greatest freedom, with ardent hopes, as a son to his father, as a lover to the beloved. Oh, help me to be all prayer and to never cease praying. In Jesus' name, amen.